Thanks for tuning in to the 168 Podcast, a podcast from Mitchell Knight and Jordan Bird of the Clarence Church of Christ, aimed at helping you connect Sunday worship with everyday life. What's up, 168ers? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm Jordan Bird, joined here by Mitch Knight, and we are going to be looking at the one of the, I think, I don't know if it's the shortest, but it's one of the shortest books. I always think it's weird to call books books of the Bible because like, it's not what I think of as a book, but I get it why it's a book because it's a collection. One of the shortest writings in the Bible and in, the New, in, and in the New Testament specifically, we're going to be talking about Philemon. Mitch, why don't you get us started with uh, Philemon? Or maybe first, how have you been? Living the dream. Maybe living, living the, the dream. dream, enjoying the warm seasonal spring, enjoying an snow. ice snow <laughs> and an ice cold Mr. Pepper from Kurger Bing. Um, Although by the time you're listening to this, hopefully it's warmer than the yes. rain, snow, sleet, whatever mixture we got going on. But yeah, um, so in looking at Philemon, the reason I think we came to this is because some of the shortest writings in the Bible can sometimes be some of the most impactful. And I think Philemon lengthwise is probably in contention with Jude and then first John three. Right. That's true. Yeah. First or third, third, third John. Third John. Short, Why yeah. say first John three, third John. Well, the first one um, itself might be short, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is yeah. shorter. You didn't say a chapter. So yes. Third John. That's what we're talking about. Third John. Yeah. Um, but Philemon is really interesting because it's one of Paul's letters to a slave owner about a runaway slave who had potentially wronged Philemon, and that slave's name was Onesimus. Um, and Paul is writing to Philemon because he's sending Onesimus back to him in hopes that they will be restored to one another, um, not as slave owner and slave, but as equal brothers in Christ, as Philemon came to the faith during his time with Paul. Uh, and I think throughout the Paul's letter to Philemon, you see a couple of different themes. One, that our identities have been restructured in Christ, that we're no longer defined by um, what we do or you know who we are in society, but by what God has done for us. And the other is kind of an instructional letter on how to forgive and why forgiveness is beneficial for us. So I don't know if you wanted to share any opening thoughts about Philemon, and then I could go into some something more or, you know. Yeah, I, I think to connect forgiveness is interesting. Maybe just in general for our day and age. I, don't know, I mean, even in... I feel like the kids shows my, that my kids watch, like forgiveness is a thing that's there a lot, or at least somewhat the idea of like reconciliation. Then the more, the more you get into adult media, it becomes less and less of a, of a virtue. Like reconciling's there, but the idea of forgiveness isn't. And a lot, a lot more shows have more to do with retaliation than forgiveness, or just sort of like I'm done with you, and then drama ensues, and we have a, an entire genre of media for that right called drama um, and a lot of drama revolves around the fact that there's unforgiveness usually involved or some kind of wrongdoing that forgiveness would help solve and so my point being is that 
in our culture, the culture around us right now, like forgiveness seems to be this sort of like, oh, that's a nice idea, but like not a real idea for actually doing life. Like how Pollyanna of you to think that, you know, I could forgive you, you could forgive me, and we just go on with life, and that's how it works. And so I think this letter is good for our day and age for that specific reason. Like you were highlighting that it it gives a very practical example of forgiveness playing out, maybe not exactly in the way it would maybe in our day and age, but it's still within a real-life situation of a guy who at that time owned Onesimus as a slave. Um, that's not necessarily condoning the right or wrong of that, but it was the, the reality of the, the situation at the time. And Onesimus leaves and then is coming back, maybe begrudgingly, if we're reading it right, it seems like. And and Paul is urging him to reconcile, but there's some real tension there of, well, I don't know if I would want to do that. Like the, it, I mean, it's possible that Onesimus really wronged Philemon, even in the process of leaving, from what we can somewhat gather. And so for Philemon to forgive, that would be a big thing. And for Onesimus to even want to go back to that situation is a big thing, too. And so I think those are very, as much as they can, it's a letter that was written years and years and years ago. The the idea of forgiveness and I don't even want to say the practicalities of it, but like the the real hope that can come from reconciliation, but only because of these two men being followers of Jesus, that reconciliation is even possible. And that's really the key. I think that we see with this is that you can talk about forgiving or reconciling all you want, but if Jesus isn't part of that process, it's going to be limited or short-sighted or short-lived at best. Um, And I think that's part of where maybe our, angst with forgiveness comes in a lot of times because we look at it purely from a pragmatic standpoint of, well, if I forgive this person, I'm just saying it didn't happen or letting them get away with it. And it's like, well, that's not what's going on. There's a lot more to it. And there's a deeper dynamic going on from a spiritual dynamic um, that, that that's also happening. So yeah, it's not just a letting someone off the hook, but it's, it's more or less handing the justice of the situation over to God is, is probably the shorthand way of looking at it. So that would, that's, that's at least my take on the forgiveness part with what you're talking about with what's highlighted in Philemon. Um, the one thing that has always stood out to me about this letter is the way Paul, the Apostle Paul is able to, I don't know if you want to say, craftily or sneakily or whatever work with the situation to help move Philemon and Onesimus in a direction of maturity in Christ. Because on one hand, Paul doesn't shy away from the, oh yeah, Onesimus used to be a slave of Philemon. Philemon, you were his master. Like He acknowledges that dynamic, but then in the midst of this pretty short letter, it's only 25 verses, Paul shifts the language of like, oh, but Philemon, you know that there's a church meets in your home, right? Like you're part of a church. Does that change anything about the relationship of the people you, of the relationship that you have with the people within your household or community? Like, are you just their master or, you know, is it just that kind of relationship or do you have a more 
deep relationship with them and one that's not just like transactional in that way, but like actually they're brothers and sisters of you now, which would make an SMS a brother of you. Oh, you should receive him as like a brother in Christ. Like this isn't just like he's your slave anymore. Like he very much throws in this language of like, oh, you realize who, what has happened to you since you both have surrendered your life to Jesus, right? Like the way you interact with each other outside of Christ is no longer the same now that you have surrendered your life to Christ. And again, I think it highlights what changes about how we interact in the world as followers of Jesus. We may be the employee to an employer, but in Christ, our dynamic is not just an employee to an employer. It's rather we're servants of Christ as if God was our employer. So the dynamic is totally different. Like our work relationship in that scenario is very different because we're in Christ. And that's just one example. You can play out different, you know, it plays out differently in different situations, but our identity within the world is reframed because of who we are in Christ. And you see that play out with Philemon and Onesimus in this letter specifically. You want to talk to that at all or go off of that at all? Yeah, I think um, what you were talking about kind of made me think about how Paul is acting in God's own character in the way that he writes this letter. Because he says to Philemon, you know, on his apostolic authority, he could just say, you are to receive him, you are to forgive him, like, I command you to do this. But he makes the point, I'm not going to do that. I want you to choose to forgive him. I want you, out of love, to do this. So Paul isn't forcing Philemon to do anything the same way God doesn't force us to do anything. He wants us to choose him because love, by definition, is freely chosen. And I, I like what you were saying about how he kind of lays the new lens of identity craftily, you know, through this letter. Onesimus is no longer defined by what he used to do. I mean, he even says that, you know, when when Onesimus came to me, he was useless to me and to you, but now he's useful to us both. You know, he's not just a servant who has wronged you. Now he is a servant of the living God and a servant to the people around him for the benefit of the kingdom. And in doing that, I think Paul is transitioning into the whole forgiveness portion of the letter. Well, if this is his new identity, then you guys are walking the same road together. You're not called to be um, disorderly or angry with one another. You're called to be kind, compassionate to one another because you're playing for the same team. You guys are, you guys are on the same team. You're here to be witnesses of Christ to the world, and um, Onesimus is a living witness to the transformative power that comes through his resurrection. And what Paul says about hoping Philemon, about hoping that Philemon will forgive Onesimus is interesting because he says, refresh my heart in Christ. You know, he's saying anything that he owes you, charge it to me. Just forgive him, refresh my heart in Christ. I think that's ultimately what forgiveness can do for us in these situations, like Jordan was mentioning. Entrusting the justice of the situation to God is refreshing because it's not normally how we deal with situations. We try and white-knuckle, we try and control, we try and make sure that everything goes the exact way we want to, 
We want to make sure that justice is done. But in giving up of that um, control and surrendering that to God and choosing forgiveness instead, we are refreshed, we're nourished, because we're no longer harboring bitterness or resentment for somebody else, but we've kind of let it go. Not necessarily forgetting that it happened, but understanding that there is a better mediator in this situation than me and, you know, what I can control. So those are just some of my additional thoughts based on what you said. Um, do you have anything you want to add? Just thinking back to the the concept of forgiveness and, I mean, our our understanding of forgiveness is based solely on the life of, well, just the life of Jesus in general, right? Like he's the basis for... Oh, for the Christian perspective. Why forgiveness? Yeah, yeah I mean, forgetfulness is probably more the cultural way of looking at it. But yeah, that's what I meant. But forgiveness, I mean, back to just, I think we think it's very impractical because we don't see any like immediate thing that can change sometimes by forgiving somebody. I mean, sometimes there is a reconciliation that comes from just someone having that weight lifted off of them. But there can also be the feeling of like, well, there was no righting of the wrong to some degree. And, but our standard for what forgiveness looks like, it looks like Jesus who goes to the cross amidst people who are mistreating him. And yet, even after Jesus rises from the dead, we don't have this like retaliation tour by Jesus, which I think is very interesting because if it were me, who would just my nature alone, that's what I would probably want to do. And I think a lot of other people, that's like our mentality. I mean, that's, that's the narrative of all the shows we watch, right? Like once I get my chance, I'm going back and writing those wrongs. Like I'm going to make the person pay. And, And yet Jesus does not set that standard. So he, again, he gives that situation over to the justice of, of his heavenly father, if you will, and it deals with it through that avenue, not through the let me go and, and make everything kind of right then and there. Um, and I get God, Jesus' relationship to God is different than our relationship, but still he is the human representative or like the, the, the image bearer of humanity, if you will, representing or paving the way for who we are to be in resurrected life and, and life in God's family. So he, he is the image of what that's supposed to look like. And so we follow in his footsteps. That's why we're followers of Jesus, to follow in the way that, that he lived. So anyway, I just find it interesting, like, forgiveness isn't just sort of this concept, but it's something that's very much lived out even in the life of Jesus. And and especially in at the core of his life, if you will, and what we have just celebrated in Good Friday and, and Resurrection Sunday of, um, you know, no amount of hurt to me has that much effect on me that it can overcome the hope that I have in Christ because ultimate life is found in it through entrusting ourself to him. And if that means it's resurrection and it's resurrection, but that's the ultimate hope that we have, not that we can right the wrongs and kind of make peace or a slice of goodness for us just here and now in a moment by us dealing with it. So anyway, that just kind of stood out to me thinking about how you're you know, going on and talk about the dynamic between Philemon and Onesimus. But do you have any more thoughts? Yeah, I just, the last thing I would say maybe to drive it home is just, like I mentioned just a second ago, um, kind of interrupting you. I apologize. Um, But I think what you mentioned earlier about people thinking that forgiveness is forgetfulness, just like acknowledging that something didn't happen. Well, what we see is like scriptural forgiveness is 
acknowledging that something did actually happen, but choosing not to hold it against somebody else. Like this is the kind of reconciliation that Paul is asking us for and kind of what you're getting at into the life of Christ after the cross. I mean, he, I mean, everyone talks about, yes, he was delivered. He died. He was risen again, but there wasn't like you were saying this retaliatory tour from Jesus. It was, no, I'm going to go into heaven, make a place for you. It's finished. This kind of, you know, just moving proactively forward, knowing something happened, but still choosing to move forward and produce fruit for the kingdom. So I think that's kind of what we can um, live into in our lives today. And now it's time for the 168 News Desk. Did you think of something you want to talk about, or are we going with the common one? We're going, yeah, with the, the latter. Okay. So you want to introduce it? All right, so for our news topic for this time, uh, this may have changed dynamic-wise by the time many of you listen or watch this, but currently the sinking of the USS Sullivan's ship, which the name has kind of always baffled me because it's like plural, but it's a singular ship anyway. I get it's based off multiple people. But the sinking of the ship in the harbor uh, in Buffalo downtown has been kind of the talk this last week at least. And I think it's an interesting discussion about like what to do with that going forward. Because on one hand, it's that ship among the other two vessels that are there is it has become like a landmark or like a part of this area. So like when you go down there, you it's like a thing you look to see or expect. Like, so it's become part of the scenery, if you will. But, you know, some of the talk has been like, well, to like save it, you, you know, to ultimately save it. Like you can't just leave it in the water cause it's just going to constantly deteriorate. But it doesn't just have meaning for this area is just like a landmark kind of thing. It also has, broader significance because of world war two and its use and, and all that kind of stuff. And so like, I get that as well. So like which one's pr- worth preserving the, the not changing how it is or preserving the history that's there, or is there something else altogether? And so I don't know, to me that whole discussion is interesting because it's like, what's worth more, what's worth putting more money into. I mean, I guess you could argue like, all three vessels weren't there to start with. So like, that's always subject to change kind of a thing. Um, it is, it, I, I actually, I just drove by there just cause I was curious to see it firsthand. And it is like so odd to see like this mast, like that, I guess it's a mast, whatever, but it's like, you know, tilted quite a ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's crazy. And I don't know how deep like the water is there. So like, even if it went so far down, like you'd still see it, I guess. I don't know. And how deep the water is there, but uh, just the fact that they're even there from like where they would have came from is just like a crazy thing to me in general. But so yeah, I don't know if you, what what your thoughts are. I can jump back in here, but like, yeah, what do you think? Well, I think in an ideal world, like you know, all history is apolitical. It just exists for the education of those who learn about it. But I think, you know, philosophically, ultimately, knowledge of history or preserving history is supposed to, again, in an ideal world, impact the way that we view today and how we ultimately shape our future. 
Um, so, you know, I can't really say what's the most economical thing or what's of the most, not the highest value, but I think ultimately and with things like this, it's about like kind of what we're getting at. Like, do we know what this represents? It's like, okay, this is from the time of world war two. What was world war two? Like, this is what was necessary to bring an end to conflict or what was necessary for the violent, like for in the middle of the violence to, um, you know, participate in that conflict. And it's like, is this something that we want to repeat? Probably not. <laughs> like, I think that's ultimately like the more proactive part of history is kind of what intrigues me. So if it can be preserved, cool. I don't know how many of like that kind of ship or those vessels, like are there bunch of those and they're like all over the country in different spots like i know that those are here but like i can't part of me can't imagine that's the only three and somehow they're just all here yeah like there's gotta be more somewhere else but there was also however many ships beforehand like and somehow like not keeping them around never became like a thing i don't know like so to some degree, it's become more of a local thing, I think, because it's become part of the the scenery of here or, like, what's here. So I don't know how much of it's really the argument of, like, we need that history preserved as much as, like, no, we don't want to lose something that's here. Yeah, so more of the commercial aspect of it. But it's tied to the history, so I get it's a little bit more. But we also have, you know, there's a green elevator that no one can decide what to do with. It's the same situation, so. Hey, we still have Shark Girl. <laughs> <laughs> so but Woo! so yeah it'll be interesting to see how that pans out and so yeah i guess if you have thoughts on what they should do leave in the in the comments below by the way if i've done my calculations in my head correctly this should be the 30th episode of the 168 podcast so thank you for your support your love and your donations no i'm just donations. kidding no uh, <laughs> don't don't donate uh <laughs> But yes, it's been 30 episodes. Um, and yeah, I just want to say thanks. Yeah, That's thanks everybody it. for listening and watching and um, share it with people who you think might not know about it so they can benefit from it as well. And thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next time. See you later, 168ers.